This is from Psalm 147. If you'd like to read along, it's in the bulletin or page 540 in the Bibles next to you. Psalm 147, verses 1 through 12. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Extol the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise your God, Zion. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, well, good morning. Hey, tell me you don't want Dan Zai on your Bible, audio, whatever you've got, right? We've got some talented scripture readers in this place, man. God. Makes the preaching easy because you just got great, you know, whatever. It's good. I could just pray and we could go home and we'd be good. Um, hey, my name's Cam. If I haven't met you, um, I would love to. Um, this summer, what we've been doing is we've been going through the Psalms, looking at, um, just looking at prayer. Um, that's one of the things that we want to be as a church, by the way. We just want to be a praying church. Like every church kind of has their shtick. We want to be everything, you know. But if there's one thing that the people on the outside are just like, oh, that's Trinity, you know, we want them to be like, they just pray all the time. That's what they do, okay? That's what we want to be, our identity. Um, and we, so we teach on it a lot. We talk about it a lot and we, we actually pray a lot. No, so that's what we're doing this summer. We're actually pulling out different Psalms, kind of sporadically, just looking at different types of prayer that we see in the book of Psalms. And we've said it a couple of times, but the book of Psalms is kind of like that original OG devotional book, you know, like the OG Jesus Calling or New Morning Mercies. And we're looking at what David and the other psalmists pull out in the psalms. So we've looked at a lot of different types of prayer. We've looked at lament. We've looked at confession. Um, we've looked at just praying praise to God. We've, we've, we've looked at, what else have we looked at? Contemplative prayer. That's the one I, I did. I forgot it. <laughs> Must not have been very good. Um, um, but we've been looking at different types of prayer. And this morning, what we're going to look at is prayer for healing or healing prayer, which brings a bunch of different emotions and different things to the table. So what we need this morning isn't um, just black and white answers, but we need God's spirit to actually teach us this morning. So that's what, that's what we're going to look at in the scriptures. And ultimately, that's what I just want to pray into this morning, that God's Holy Spirit would teach us this morning how to pray for healing. That he would give us wisdom, a spirit of wisdom that Paul prays for in Ephesians 1. So one more time, let's just, let's just pray this morning and then we'll get into it. Father, thank you for the moments that we share together this morning. Thanks for your goodness to us. We have um, nothing new to offer this morning. Um, we have no new cool thought, but, but ultimately, Jesus, we, we want to go back to your, your word, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would make it come alive to us. Would you, would you teach us this morning? Would you, would you move in our hearts and our minds to take the next step into what it looks like, into really following you? I just pray for our, our hearts this morning as we talk about healing, the brokenness, the pain that comes with it, the expectation and the letdown. We just bring it all to you and we just say, God, just, just take it and teach us this morning. 
We love you and we praise you and we just invite you. Come Holy Spirit, would you do a work in us this morning? Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, a couple years ago, I had a friend who told me, Cam, if you really want to understand how to read the Bible, you need to learn how to read fiction. And I, uh, well, I'm a PE major. So I don't like to read, okay? But I've started to read, you know, like most people, it's like their reading thing. Like I became a Christian and I started reading. And they get super over-spiritual on their reading, which is like what I did. It's like I can watch The Office and all, I can watch shows all day. But when it comes to reading, it's like Jesus or nothing, you know? I'm like super over-spiritual. But somebody told me, Cam, you need to learn how to read fiction. Because so much of the Bible and the scriptures are a narrative form. So you need to train your brain to read narrative form. That, that's not part of the sermon, but that's just a free little tidbit for you this morning if you, if you want that, okay? But so I really got into trying to read fiction books. So I read one fiction book in the past three years, okay? That's improvement. That's one more than I read before like Magic Treehouse back in the day. Magic, I should just start reading those again because those are, those are amazing, right? But I did what anybody would do when they say, I'm going to start reading a fiction book. I, I went to Reese Witherspoon's top 15 books, okay? Me and Reese, we just got the same kind of stuff, you know, same vibe. And I found a murder mystery novel called The Guest List. Anybody read The Guest List? No? You should read The Guest List. It's a little, a little spicy on some, you got to skip some chapters. I've skipped some scenes before, but I had to skip some chapters on this one, okay? But nonetheless, The Guest List. It's a murder mystery. And I loved it, man. I was like, I was like 3 a.m. with my Kindle underneath the covers, just like tapping my screen. Like Kayla's waking up like, babe, what are you doing? I'm like, go to bed, babe. I got to figure it out, right? But you ever just been so consumed in a mystery, like in a book or a story or, or a show, like even just like binge watching a show? We love it, right? It's got this like, I, I, I've got a problem too. Like sometimes if we get lost into a show, I'm just like, babe, sorry. Like I'm not coming to bed tonight. Like I'm just going to go out on the couch and just finish it. Because there's this thing like we have to figure it out. Like we got to know what happens. And simultaneously, there's this weird feeling when the mystery is finally over that you're like kind of sad. It's like, ah, oh, it's over, right? And you kind of realize like, I guess it was never about me finding it out, but it was always about like the journey of it. And I just love it. It's like, it was never about the answer. It was about the journey. It's like a deep revelation after reading the guest list. Okay. Anyways, we, we, we all love, we love mystery. But the point of mystery is always that it draws you deeper in, right? So you always search out what is the answer. Like you're trying to find something. That's the point of the mystery. Like even, even dumb stuff like, um, like I came home the other day and I saw like a bunch of stuff that looked like sawdust like by my door. It's a mystery, right? What I didn't do is like, hmm, that's interesting. No, I like was 13 Google searches in, seven phone calls. Like, guys, what is this sawdust, right? I got to figure it out. There's a, there's a mystery there. But I think it's a little bit interesting, and I wonder if you feel the same, that, that how we relate to mystery in our spiritual life is actually totally different than that. A, a lot of the time, how we relate to mystery um, is just to say, well, it's just a mystery. And we just leave it at that. But, but no one would hear me explain the wood shavings. and be like, wow, Cam, interesting, cool. It's a mystery. Where'd those wood shavings come from, right? No, we got to figure it out. Or no, no one watches like four episodes of Prison Break and are like, wonder if they got out. <laughs> like nobody says that. But oftentimes when we're faced with mystery in the church or in our own spiritual life, we don't press into it, but we actually shrink back. And which I understand, by the way, right? Like there are, there is there, the amount of loose teaching that does not clearly communicate the centrality of Jesus and the gospel and the cross and his resurrection and our desperate need to turn to him. The, the amount of loose teaching around there that just say, that's just a mystery. I understand wanting to bring some clarity around things. But biblically, spiritually, we have to learn how to step into mystery and not just shrug our, our shoulders. 
that mystery is ultimately an invitation to a journey. It's not an excuse for apathy. And I say that all because healing is a mystery. Biblically, practically, and even conceptually, healing is a mystery. But it's not an invitation to just say, well, just a mystery. It's an invitation to step deeper into the mystery of healing. R.C. Sproul, he says this, mystery definitively, like the definition of mystery is this. It's something that we know happens, but we don't quite know or understand why it happens or how it happens. He's saying, so healing is something that Jesus does. He heals. It's who he is, but we don't always know why or how or when or what that entirely looks like. But what we do not do is we don't just shrug our shoulders and say, well, God's heart for healing is just a mystery, but we, we press in to that. Because in the grand library of scripture, it is nearly impossible to avoid and to shrug our shoulders at the healing hand and ultimately the healing heart of God. And we see it all peppered throughout the scriptures, right? We see it peppered throughout the Psalms alone. Psalm 6, we just read it. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. Psalm 107, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them. Psalm 41, as for me, I said, oh Lord, be gracious to me and heal me. Healing is all through the prayers of the psalmist. It is all in the teachings of Jesus. It's in, and it's intrinsic to Jesus' ministry. It's what he did. It's who he was. It's what he brought to the table. And we see in Psalm 147, the passage that we read this morning, that it's actually an expression of God's heart. Right? We read that it says, praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praise to our God. How pleasant and fitting it is to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And so David, in this moment of, of worship and reflection, what spills out in him is God's character and nature. And what spills out of him is God. You are the one who heals. You heal broken hearts. You bind up wounds and diseases. It's what you do. And what he has in mind here, this word for healing is this word rafa or rafa. And what it means is what we just prayed this morning, that, that, that he would renew, that he would repair, that he would restore. He says, God, this is what he does. He heals the brokenhearted. He brings emotional and spiritual healing to the wounds that are inside of us. And he binds up the wounds on the outside of us. He heals bodies. He heals sickness and he heals disease. They're, they're not even really separate to him. They're actually really connected. And science is kind of catching up to this whole thing. By the way, there's this book that came out that says the body keeps the score that kind of reflects on the connection between our, our inner wounds and how it manifests in our bodies and that Jesus wants to heal all of it and that he can. Another Psalm 103, it says this, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The one who forgives all of your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love, and compassion. And can we just pause for a second right there? Because whatever lie you bring in of what God looks like this morning, when you close your eyes and you think, who is God? This Psalm corrects that right here. He says, this is who he is. He's the one who forgives all of your sins. Isn't that amazing? But then he says, forget not all his benefits. He's not just the one who forgives your sins, but he, he has the power to heal your diseases. He's the one who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. It's who God is. It's, it's, it's an overflow of his character. And so when we talk about healing, we mean everything. Your emotions, your anxiety, your chronic fatigue, your back pain, to the health of your marriage. 
And it's what we long for more than anything else. Right? Like I, I, I tend to try to read some books. I'm really trying to hype my reading here. Like I'm trying to impress you guys. I read so much. I was looking to read more books. Um, but I was, I was looking at, sometimes I try to read like a book on healing or something. You know, let me get my, so I, so I Googled it. Okay, I'm like, let me look for books on healing. Just kind of assuming. Like books for healing are probably all like Christian books, you know? 25 books on healing I saw. One of them was Christian. We are all, like it's what our culture wants. I'm even walking through Walmart this morning. Don't ask me why I was in Walmart this morning, but I'm walking through Walmart and I see the newspaper and it's hyping this book that some military veteran just wrote and on the thing says hope and healing. I'm like, yo, we long for healing. It's what we want. We have some deep desire in us, around us to see things renewed and restored and repaired. But like we do with most things, we go to the wrong source for it and we see that God is our healer. We sense the brokenness and we have dreams of how things ought to be. And that's what healing is. It's, it's when God supernaturally invades earth with heaven and makes things right again. It's when he restores things to how they should be. It's, it's, what, it's what Jesus, when he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's to bring heaven to earth, to renew and remake everything. And as a church, that's what we're about. We're, we're here to practice the way of Jesus for the renewal of all things. It's an impossible vision, but it's what we, it's what we long for. It's who we want to be. We want to be people who call upon God to say, renew, make things whole, bring healing. And it's absolutely core to who God is and what he says he is about in the scriptures. But it's mysterious. In the scriptures, it's mysterious for sure. But in our own lives, it's definitely mysterious. I mean, in my own life right now, like I'm, I'm, I'm actually really wrestling with this. I mean, because a good portion of the Christian life, right, is this. It's like we see the promises of God in scripture and then I see my experience and I'm trying to bring those two things into alignment, right? That's what I'm always trying to do. And the same thing is true with healing for me right now. I'm looking at it and I'm saying, I see the scriptures. I see my experience. I see that there's a gap. Those two things need to come into alignment. And most of the time, it's not God's promises and God's word that needs to form into my experience, but it's my experience that needs to form into God's word. So this is what we want to do as a church. We want to step deeper into this. It's why every single gathering, we offer prayer after the gathering because we believe that God can heal. We believe that in a moment, God can do the impossible, the improbable, the unthinkable. And so we want to step deeper into that. But oftentimes what happens when we talk about healing because of our inability to embrace the mystery of it is um, we get really simplistic teaching and preaching on it. And we just don't allow the space for mystery. And where there's simplistic teaching on it, there tends to be kind of two approaches, two responses. And it's one of a Pharisee and one that's, that's just covered with fear. So one is, with, is, is the approach of a Pharisee, right? It's to oversimplify the teaching, but in a way that says, well, if you haven't been healed, you've been praying for healing, it's not happening, there must be something wrong with you, right? Maybe you don't have enough faith. Maybe you don't trust God enough. Maybe you don't believe enough, and that's ultimately why God hasn't healed you, or maybe because there's some secret sin in your life that is preventing you from God releasing his power, which all might be true, but not in the simplistic nature that sometimes we say it. And ultimately, this is even what the disciples thought. They had this moment where they come to Jesus and they come across a blind man who's been blind from birth and he, they come up to him and they approach him and they say, Rabbi, <clears throat> who sinned? This guy or his parents? Was it his uncle? Who sinned? Why is this guy blind? Why hasn't he been healed? Right, because they want a black and white answer, which we want too, by the way, right? We, we want the black and white answer. And they say, what's the reason? He goes, nah, classic Jesus, never answers it the way he wants to. He goes, no, guys, his, this guy didn't sin. His parents didn't sin. 
said, but this happened so that the power of God might be displayed in him. Which is beautiful. And you're like, oh, of course, the power of God. But, you're kind of, but if you really think about it, you're like, wait, what? What does that really mean? And it's, it's, it's because it's inviting us deeper into the mystery or, or even the apostle Paul's experience, right? He had this thorn in his side and we're not entirely sure what the thorn is, but he, he prays, God, take this from me. He says he prayed three times, God, take this from me. God, take this from me. He says God's voice speaks to him and says, no, Paul, my, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul seemed to glean some supernatural wisdom that said this, that, that, that it was to keep him from being conceited, that it was, to, it was actually to be that, that pain, that suffering was actually meant to be the thing that was to sustain his own dependence on God. And I understand here, that's, that's a, what a lot of us bring into this, into this room when we talk about healing. That you have prayed. And then you've prayed what you think is a prayer of faith and it, and it hasn't come, it hasn't happened. The reality for some of us is that we think we do believe. And I have prayed and nothing. I know stories in this room. I know lives. I have friends and loved ones who, who've prayed and prayed and prayed and have not seen any relief from their suffering. And what we're not to do is say, well, let's figure out why. Because that's the simplistic way. And what that creates is Pharisees in us and it doesn't embrace the mystery. There's no simplistic answer for you. But what we're not going to do is we don't shrink back, but we keep pressing in to lean on Jesus. One of, one of his most famous teachings on prayer is when he actually praises, uh, he, he tells a story of a widow who, who goes to a judge and keeps asking and asking and asking and asking. And he says, look at that persistence. And he values and loves the persistence. So we don't lean back and try to draw a black and white answer around something, but we just keep leaning in to Jesus. And there's an actually an opposite response though, right? There, there's an equal and opposite response of the Pharisee to the simplistic thinking about healing. And it's, it's one that produces fear in us. One that some of you also bring into this place. It's this, and, and what the fear does is it produces a lack of expectation. It actually kills our faith in what God can do. And there's a couple of reasons for this. Okay, one, we live in a disenchanted culture. Like we live in one that, that the author Craig Keener, he says is just an anti-supernatural culture. That the air we breathe, the water that we swim in, it, it has no space or room for supernatural activity in our lives. We want a natural explanation for why everything happens. It's just the natural way that we see things. You might not have been taught that, but it's what you've been caught. What you've caught, not been caught, right? Maybe you could been caught that, but you caught that, right? It's just the way you see things. It's the way we naturally live things unless we renew and rewire our brain to think the way that Jesus teaches us to think. We will naturally think that way. So it's the way that culture has, has formed us. And then there's also just bad practices. Some of you, when you think of healing, you, you see some televangelist on TV saying, give me a thousand more dollars and I promise you by faith, you'll be healed, right? Like there's these, there's these bad practices that you just, feel, you just feel wrong about inside. You see people falling out and you're like, ah, if that's healing, I don't want it, you know? Like I'll take anything else besides that. And there's, there's, there, there's, some, there's some strangeness and confusion that comes with it. And so there's, there's reasons why that I understand why that healing would be something that you want to take a step back, not a step into. I understand why you would want to lean away from it. But we have to be obedient to Jesus. We have to listen to his teachings. And these things, they kill, they ultimately kill our expectation and kill our faith in who God is. Because Psalm 147, when we read again, it says this is intrinsic to the character and the nature of God. I love it. It says, God who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God who heals. He heals. It's his character. It's part of who he is. It's, it's who God is. That he is fundamentally 
a healer. And we can't avoid that our faith and our expectation of God and his power and our experience of his healing are really connected. We can't read the gospels and see that those two things are not connected. There's two moments where we see Jesus actually amazed by people's faith, right? He's amazed. Anytime we see Jesus is amazed, we should probably just like, you know, double click that link. Let's go there for just a little bit longer. Let's sit there. Okay. Two moments. We see him amazed. Once is in Mark's, Mark chapter six, right? He, he, he's, he's starting to pick up some momentum in his ministry and he's going from town to town. He's starting to get some stuff going and they actually go back to his hometown, Jesus of Nazareth. And he's back in Nazareth and he's teaching and he's preaching and there's some stuff going on, but there starts to be some murmurs in the crowd, right? They're like, yo, this is, this is Jesus. Like, I know this bro. He was like on my rec team in third grade, you know, like, I know, I know Jesus. Now he's doing this, right? There, there was some familiarity with Jesus. They said, isn't that the carpenter's son? Like, I remember when he was trying to fix my deck, bro. Now he's just up there teaching and preaching. They're like, they had some expectation of Jesus. They had some familiarity with Jesus. And then he says this in, in Mark, Mark 6, verse 4 and 5, it says this, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives in his own, in his own home. And verse five says this, and he could do no great work there. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. See, their familiarity with Jesus, who they thought he was, it actually robbed Jesus of doing a great work there. It robbed Jesus of actually being the fullness of who he is. And isn't that a word for the church here in the West a little bit? And we are awfully familiar with Jesus. We know the stories we watched the veggie tales. I didn't, but some of you did, right? We watched them. We know about him. We know enough about what our things are. And we've, we've, we've maybe gained some cultural expectation and perception of who Jesus is. But I wonder if our familiarity with him actually robs our faith and, and, it, and it drives our lack, of, our lack of faith away. And it robs him of doing what he actually wants to do. Let me just talk about faith for just a second here. Cause some of you are like faith. What, okay. Let's what, what actually is faith? Cause what is it really? You know, is it, is it like the perfect combo of like a good night's sleep plus like a cup of coffee plus like catching God in the right mood. And that does the trick, you know, there's faith. Like there's the, there's the combo. It's like, you know, is that, is that faith? Like when are you really full of faith? Like, what does that even mean? Well, let's look at the other story where Jesus was amazed, right? Matthew chapter eight, he, he comes across a centurion, a, a Roman officer. And this officer, he has a servant. He has someone who works for him, who is currently sick and ill and unable to perform the way that the centurion wants him to perform. So he approaches Jesus and this is how he approaches Jesus. He says, hey man, look, I have a lot of authority. I have a lot of power. I'm, I'm a Roman official. I've got at least like a hundred people who just like report to me. And he says, so I understand how authority works. I get it. He's like, when I tell my servant to go to the left, they go to the left. When I tell my servant, go to the right, they go to the right. They do what I say. And he says this, if you are who you say you are, say the word, say the word and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus says, wow, I've never seen such great faith. Isn't that amazing? What, what is he praising? He's saying, you understand how I work that anything I say, it happens. Because Jesus has all authority. So faith, ultimately what it is, is it's, it's just, it's seeing Jesus for who he really is. Faith isn't about faith. 
Faith isn't about mustering up strength and courage, but faith is actually by being so overwhelmed and consumed by who Jesus is and what he can do. That's faith. And it's why when we worship, man, you can feel the faith in the room a little bit sometimes. Because all of a sudden, we're not, we're not, we're not consumed with, with, with what's going on in my, daily, my day-to-day life. Sometimes you're not even aware of your own sickness and frustration and what's going on in your life, but you're just consumed with Jesus. And we, as we do that as a community, there's faith that is tangible in the room because we, can, we, we have this, we're, we're aware of Jesus. We sing songs that say, you are powerful. You can do anything. And it fills us with faith. That's what faith is. It's, it's, it's seeing Jesus as Jesus. And that's what we need most of the time. We just need to reconstruct the way that we actually see Jesus. That he can do anything. Because healing is easy to Jesus, by the way. It's easy. There's, this, there's, there's another story, right? There's, there's, this, there's this woman who's had a continual problem. Her whole life, she's been sick. Her whole life, she's had this disease. And she hears rumors about some healing man. She, she hears rumors that, that there's been some of her friends who, who were sick and then they went to this guy and now they're not anymore, right? Like the best doctor on the block. They're like, all right, here we go. I read it on Twitter. We're going. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to find it. I found him. He's walking from one place to another. There's a huge crowd of people. And she thinks with a moment of desperation, if I, could just, if I could just touch him, maybe something will happen. Maybe something will happen. And she's searching through the crowd and, and, and the story says that she eventually, she, she bumps into the hem of his garment. She reaches out, she touches it. And you know what happens? Jesus pauses, he goes, whoa, say, who, who touched me? Who touched me? You know why? Because he said he felt power flow from out of him. You know how easy it is for Jesus to heal? <laughs> he didn't even know what happened. Just at the touch of his garment, he just, he, he heals. Because he's not a God of scarcity, but he's one of abundance. He doesn't just have a little bit of power to go around and disperse throughout all of us. And he's got, you know, here's a couple of percentage. But it just overflows at the hem, at the touch of the hem of his garment. It, it, it overflowed out of him. It's who he is. It's easy. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine, according to the power that's at work within us. And so there's author Sam Storms, he, he, he encourages us to actually just ask the question. He says, do you really believe that God can heal? I don't actually want to do this. If you just pause for a second, you just thought about your deepest need right now. Like the thing that is most broken in your heart or your body and you just thought about it. Forget if he wants to heal or if he will actually heal. But if you just pause just to think, do you think he can actually heal you? Do you think he could actually do it just like that. Could he heal your addiction? Could he heal your back pain? Could he heal the chronic pain in your foot that you've had your entire life? Could he do that in a minute? You think he can? Because healing is all about Jesus. It centers there. That healing is easy for him. And it's both easy and it overflows from his compassion. See, oftentimes we tend to say things like, well, well Jesus healed because, you know, he was trying to prove that he was God. Which is absolutely part of why he healed. But the problem is that lots of people perform miracles and do, do healings in the Bible, right? Without the expectation to say, it's to prove that I'm God, right? There's something different about Jesus. And, and, and most of the time, the phrase that we see again and again and again in the scriptures is that Jesus was moved by compassion. That one, that one person came up to him and they said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can, you can heal me. And Jesus said, I'm willing. There's a willingness in his heart, that he's moved by 
compassion. It's not the right phrase or the right saying or the right thing at the right time or whatever that might be. It's actually just moving. The thing that moves Jesus to heal is his love for you, is his compassion. The reason that Jesus heals, the reason that he responds to your prayer. We need to get this in our heads. It's because he loves you. Not to teach you something, but just out of the overflow of his love. And so I want to pause here just to think, what, what is our response? What do we do with this? What do we do with this, with this mystery of healing? How, do we, how, are we, how are we to embrace it all? And I love, I love the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego. It's so hard for me to say because I had a buddy who used to call it Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I like cannot, I had to think like six times right there, Abednego, Abednego, Abednego. So that's, sorry. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There it is again. All right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? There's these dudes who, 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 who are these Old Testament characters who, who refused to bow to the idols of Nebuchadnezzar. They said, we won't do it. They said that, they, they, and, and he's frustrated. He's angry. He says, he says, if you guys are not going to bow to my idols, you're not going to bow to my gods, to me. He says, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. And they said, all right, you throw us in the furnace. But they have this amazing line that I think strikes what we long to be when it comes to healing. And it's with great expectation and great surrender. We want, we want to marry those two things together when it comes to healing. That's what we see with these three guys, right? They said, our God He's able to deliver us from that. It'd be an easy thing for him to deliver us from the furnace, for sure. But even if he doesn't, he's still God. And they cross the two right there. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a scapegoat to be like, well, he probably won't, but we'll pray. They're like, nah, there's fire all around us, you know? And he could do it easy. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, he's, he's God. And it's this intersection of expectation and surrender. So if there's one thing I really want to stir up in us this morning, it's, 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 it's expectation. It's that God could do more than you ever ask, think, or imagine. Could it be that he has more for you than you anticipated? Could we be a church that just that, 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 that doesn't shrug our shoulders at mystery, but actually leans into it and says this, he can do it, but even if he doesn't, he's still God. But let us not be people who say, well, who knows? It's a mystery. Let us follow the invitation to the journey of inviting God to do the miraculous, the the healing work that he can do. And so I have two invitations for us even even now. Um, One, we're going to have prayer in the back even as we worship. We'll we'll do communion, um, and then we're just going to have a team. We'll have a couple people just kind of spread out throughout the back. And, and we do this every week because it's actually disobedient not to, right? James 5 says, anyone who's sick, let them come, let him, let him, let him come to the elders and let them pray for you. Let them anoint you with oil, which is, which is this symbolic thing to say, let them with the power of the Holy Spirit, not, not power that doesn't work with any person, but that the Holy Spirit might flow through people. So we want to pray for you almost every service. But even, but even now, if you feel like there's something that you just, you've been holding onto for a long time, sickness in your body, that you just kind of, hmm, you kind of shrugged your shoulder at the mystery of it. We, we want to pray for that. We want to continue to pray for that. So that's one invitation just, just for this morning as we worship and we pray. Respond. Take, a, take an act of faith. It's a moment of desperation. And just come back and just let, just let us pray for you. Who knows what Jesus can do? We're not going to try to make anything happen. We're not going to try to manipulate anything. We're just going to pray. We're just going to ask Jesus to, to heal, to do something. And the second one is, is for maybe some of us who've just been apathetic in the mystery. 
Maybe, maybe when, you, when, you, when you feel the, the difference between your experience and God's word, you just kind of try to slowly mold God into your experience. I just want to speak Psalm 103 one more time that you're to forget not all his benefits. Maybe you've forgotten all of his benefits. And maybe you just need to confess and repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Because we have a power by, by, by our own will to, to, to actually grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. And we can do that by what we say yes to and what we say no to. And there's a real power and possibility that just by our apathetic spirit that we can quench the Holy Spirit. So for some of us, we need to rethink our thinking. We just need to change the way that we think. And we need to do that. We need to handle that with God in prayer, even as we worship this morning. So those are the two invitations I have for us this morning. And I want to leave you with this. Jesus loves you. He's for you. He's with you. He's not against you. But any lie that you might be believing, even in the, in the realm of healing, we need to see his face and seek his character. That it's him. The word says that by his wounds, we are healed by his wounds, that it's his power, that it's his great power that's at work even within us. So let's pray.